G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts and Stitcher, so no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. So today, I'd like to introduce you to Morgan Letternan of... I even practiced that and I still got it wrong, <laughs> who, who is doing a PhD in chemistry under the supervision of Professor Guzhong Lu. Welcome to Grad Chat, Morgan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That wasn't a very good start, was it? I got both names wrong. and It's all good. You know. yeah. Get started and only up from here. <laughs> That's good. I like that. I like that. So today it's actually quite interesting because apart from learning about Morgan's research, I'm also going to get her to discuss an incredible opportunity that was given to her to represent not only Queen's but also Canada at the Young Persons World Lecture Competition, which was held in London, England last year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I know. And, and when, when I heard about Morgan going on this trip, it was like, oh my goodness, these are the sorts of things that people die to be able to do. It would just be an incredible opportunity to meet people all around the world. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that trip. But firstly, let's look at your research. So you are in the chemistry department, but, but your research topic is H2 only. Just a little fun addition a little, to the name. A little fun addition, thank you. Smart filters for efficient oil and water separation. Yes. And so um, usually in, 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 in some of these interviews that we do, we get some titles, which, as, as I did last week with Keegan, I had to get him to uh, <laughs> redefine what that meant for me. So I think yours is a little bit easier to understand yes. from that sort of uh, heading that you gave us. But can you give us a bit of an overview of your research? Sure. So specifically in my project, I'm looking at how do we create a more new and novel green filtration technology specifically to separate oil and water or um, more difficult is oil and water emulsions. So one of the best ways I always say to, to uh, explain an emulsion is if you ever make salad dressing at home yes. and you put your oil in balsamic vinegar, yes. let's say you shake it up, but no matter how much you shake it up, it still separates out back into two layers. Right. But when you add in something like mustard, I know I love putting Dijon mustard in my salad dressings, <laughs> and you shake it up, it then ends up in one phase. So okay. that mustard is an emulsifier or right. a surfactant, which makes oil and water really difficult to separate. Okay. So something that readily is immiscible or easy to separate now becomes very difficult. So we're not just trying to look at separating salad dressings, but in industry, everything from when there's an oil spill to actually in some of the uh, methods for removing crude oil, they use steam to kind of get it out of the uh, oil sands. Oh, do they? Okay. So that steam then traps in an oil and water emulsion in any way that we can improve the environmental consciousness or the actual green impact of any of these industries is, is really important. So in our work, we're looking at how do we use a filter made out of fabric or mesh or some kind of very simple, easy-to-find substrate that can separate these emulsions. Right. So we do that with using polymers or kind of these large macromolecules that we can coat on either sides of a filter really easily without using any harmful reagents, harmful solvents, and then be able to separate the oil and the water 
without any harmful additives or any external energy. And of course, in, in chemistry and in science, sometimes making things easier is not always easier. <laughs> so my work really has been on optimizing and finding that kind of Goldilocks effect between right. how can we make something super easy, but still having optimal performance. And I guess also cost effective. Yes. Yeah, that always comes in, particularly for those big companies. Yes. So before I go on to my next question, can I just ask something? You know, separating oil and water. So what's the thing that's making it difficult for when we have oil spills in, like, in the ocean and stuff? So a lot of times in the natural environment or in more of a straight industrial setting, these surfactants that I kind of mentioned are these molecules that are able to trap the oil inside mm -hmm. the water phase in, in, in the case of the emulsions that we're looking at. So they kind of lower the surface tension or make it just very difficult for the oil to then be removed. So it's kind of imagine it being encapsulated inside of the water phase. Right. So with those being trapped, just waiting for them to you know separate or doing other methods are not very efficient. So right now for oil spills, the main main method is to dump in a bunch of not the best chemicals or you know different which, which uh, materials in, yeah, into our oceans and then wait and then they will either absorb or in some case they'll get they will separate out the oil and they burn it which okay. again is not not, not the best for for the environment so any way to able to separate these without having to dump things or imagine being able to pass it through a filter where you're able to just pull out the oil and leave everything behind right. is kind of the the goal but um, of course the biggest bottleneck of that is volume so in the in the yeah. ocean they're large art volumes so that's why we're starting at how can we optimize this small and then maybe it'll then scale up and scale get big uh, big later on well i think it'd be awesome when you do that because that's always the, the scary things and, yes. and what's going on with pipelines and things right now yes, yes. so <laughs> and how anyway we can make it a little bit help safer. out in the transition is, mm -hmm. is kind of what we're looking well, at well i think i think you hit on the nail where it's safer and greener um they're the two big things yes. that we need to consider so I mentioned earlier that you went to the Young Persons World Lecture Competition. So what was the goal of that and what did the actual competition entail? Right. So the Young Persons World Lecture Competition, or the Canadian leg, which was the Young Persons Lecture Competition, right. is held or sponsored overall by the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining, or IOM3, which is in um, the UK. And this is a very kind of a prestigious and a, a institute that kind of governs all of anything in the material science mining world, specifically in the UK and also globally. And then this year, they, uh, the McDonald Institute here at Queen's decided to partner up and hold the first ever Canadian leg of this competition. Fantastic. So in the past, it's been mostly Europe, Asia, and then a couple uh, African or South American countries, but it hasn't really transferred over to Canada yet. Which is surprising, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I guess uh, maybe it wasn't just finding the right people. So they made that connection this year. And the goal of this competition is to encourage and to enhance technical communication skills for researchers. Okay. So to be a part of the competition, you had to be a young researcher, so under 28, they said, <laughs> in either graduate school or working in industry um, with a project related to materials, minerals, or mining. And... The goal was to improve your skills on being able to uh, explain your research to a non-technical audience in right. an enthusiastic and encouraging, exciting way to show the global impact of your research. Right, right. So luckily this year, the McDonald Institute held the Canadian leg here at Queen's, and I sent around the email by my professor because he knows I, I like to talk, <laughs> and he knows I really enjoy sharing my research. Heads are on the show. <laughs> yes. So I decided to go, go in and try, and there was a, a variety of, 
a uh, different kind of research there. And then I ended up winning and getting to go to London and, and uh, compete on the world stage, if you may. Which is brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I'm really, I'm, I'm very surprised that Canada hasn't been a part of it before. But so is our McDonald Institute going to run it each year for the Canada sector? So I've heard no, nothing confirmed yet, um, but they're planning to hold it there to host it again. They would really like to be able to spread out and have a few different kind of heats if it's maybe right. in Ontario or a West or an East Coast. In the other countries, they have multiple heats, especially in the UK, there's right. Southern, East, you know, a bunch of different uh, different kind of sectors, and then you would move up and then compete in your final. In Canada, we just had the one as the first year, mm -hmm. but they do really want to have a few different locations and kind of continue I'm spreading it. I know they've uh, just contacted. I'm going to try and help out have that this year and well, keep it yeah. on your radar. It's uh, probably early spring, early summer, that okay. kind of time. Well, so that's a couple good. months away. Yeah. And how long did they give you to actually talk? It was a 15 minute, I think it was plus or minus two minutes. So between that 13 and 17 minute uh, lecture plus a couple minutes of questioning. Okay. So right. very similar to a conference presentation that a lot of graduate students would be used to but with a very different goal. You're right. looking at the really making people excited and showing your work and how will this impact society, basically. I still can't believe you had a chance <laughs> to do that, which is awesome. And and I noticed you wrote a daily blog as you get. Yes. Was that part of being able to go? Is that they asked you to write a daily blog or was that just something you decided you wanted to do? So the McDonald Institute really, as it being the first year, we're big on let's, let's really try and promote and show what mm -hmm. a really amazing opportunity this was. And I was very eager to to kind of go along and uh, it was fun to each day because at the competition other than just the daily actual day of your your world competition they set up a week where all of the students that were able to come so there was 10 of us from 10 different countries and they set up a week of activities a full itinerary of not just touring london and getting to see the sites but getting to see what material science can do in industry in the uk so we got okay. to go to Rolls-Royce engineering labs and see how they make and repair their jet engines which is a, which, which is, is fantastic cause very it, cause cool most people as you said in your blog I think most people think it's they just think about cars mm -hmm. they forget about the jet engines we did get to see one car it was pretty cool okay. close up. but uh, <laughs> actually getting to see the behind the scenes it was a, a VIP tour regular kind of folk are not allowed back there so awesome. that was pretty cool um, as well as actually went to the Institute and got to meet a lot of their correspondents and see um, how it's all interconnected through London, go to Cambridge University, which is a very prestigious university and see their material science department that had massive pieces of equipment that I couldn't even imagine these microscopes can be that big. It was crazy so, nerding out here. But well, no, that's good. So potential collaborations between Queens and Cambridge. Perhaps? Why not? Why not? Um, so now you've got the in. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was they set up this week really to not only show you, you know, different things that there are to offer in material science, but also to connect all of us students. Yes. So it was a it was a really cool experience and how they put the competition on the last day of the week. Yeah, so you got to know each other first. Right. And then at the mm -hmm. end of it it wasn't a competition. It was just excited to see your your friends show their work and right. we're all we still have a, a WeChat uh WhatsApp cool. kind of thing uh, group going on that we still keep in touch and it's it's interesting because that's one of the things we do here. Well, what we're wanting to do better here is actually is create that community mm -hmm. feel. And uh, it's not easy, not an easy thing to no. do. But when you're thrown in together like this, such as like when we have our writing camps and yes. things, it kind of forces you to sort of get to know each other, which is yes. good. My, my thing that would be hard is 
waiting for a full week to actually give your presentation <laughs> and not spill the beans before it's time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess they uh, they did give us. We were out top to talk a little bit, but everyone was like, "No, you gotta wait. Wait till Friday. Wait, wait till wait till the last wait day for the last yeah. day." And I understand also part of it was going to a primary school over there and actually talking to school aged or. What was the age of the children? They were eight. And over in the UK, it's a little bit different, but it was around six, fifth, sixth grade. So that kind right. of eight to 12. So primary school and elementary school mm-hmm. here. So what was it like teaching or talking to them? Because one of the things, like even coming on the radio, of course, is how can you talk to people about your research in a way that's going to engage them depending mm-hmm. on their age and background and, you know interest in a particular field or not so how did you find that did you did you know beforehand you were going to be speaking to school children yes so you could prepare before it wasn't just thrown on you no so about 10 days two weeks before we left they gave us the itinerary and one of them said as you know we always try and to do outreach because really big in the Mm -hmm. in the in their kind of motto and goal for the competition is to they said improve technical communication to a non-specialist honest um audience sorry Mm -hmm. but more than that to be able to show anyone of all ages what the impact of science is. And in a world today that's kind of in chaos, as, as we know, yes. mm-hmm. it's very important to be able to share your work to government, to children, to the new generations, to investors, etc. So it was honestly probably the one of the hardest parts yeah. to at first to kind of come up with, okay, wait, how am I going to make... Luckily, I had something that was easier to Well, that's true, because they probably would have heard about oil spills and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So you had a good start. Right. There was another student that worked in, um, you know, computer modeling and computational modeling for tunnels. So he was like, I have, I have no idea what I'm going to do. But he ended up... Uh, <laughs> He was he was the favorite, definitely, by the children talking about Thomas the Tank Engine. Okay. I right. loved it. But right. uh, it was really fun, and I, it was almost kind of humbling to see how much they knew at that age. That's we good. were really shocked on, on. I made mine kind of interactive, asked them questions through it, tried to get them in- involved, and they knew exactly what was going on with climate change. They knew exactly what was going on with oil spills or issues around the world. So that was really nice to see that they're mm-hmm. engaged and, and interested in that. But uh, luckily with that, it was only three minutes, kind of oh, like a take the three-minute thesis, thesis and give it to eight-year-olds. But but they, they really enjoyed it. And luckily, unfortunately, I didn't come up with something creative like Thomas the Tank Engine, but... Uh, <laughs> you will next time. Yeah, next time. You know, think of some, some what's some uh, marine favorite. I'm I don't sure know. We can find, I'm sure we can find something. I mean, that's something perhaps we should be doing here at Queen's anyway, more of outreach to our primary... Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. I keep saying primary. Elementary schools and, and even high schools of getting those young students starting to be interested in science and research and all those sorts of things. So if you can plant the seed young and especially Mm -hmm. for there was so many, you know, young girls there too. And it's nice for them to kind of know that, you know, we can, you know, you you can can do whatever you want and, and, uh, and they have such curious minds at that Mm. age too. So that's a perfect, like you said, plant the seed of what is research and things. Now, so you went there representing Queens and Canada. Okay, and you said there was so there was nine other participants from yes. around the around the globe. What was it like representing both your school and your country? It was again a kind of a very humbling sort of experience to know that my it almost it almost sometimes brings back. I know as a graduate student, I know a lot of my friends have this. You have kind of an imposter syndrome sometimes when right. you're working through a PhD. You know, you know, you have trouble seeing the end of the tunnel, 
and you kind of get down and then things like this are what kind of bring you out and really get you excited again about your work. So being able to not only represent Queens, who I've been here for my eighth year after doing undergrad here and then moving into grad school, I was ecstatic to get to kind of show my love for this place and clearly after being here for so long. And then more than just the country, if there was such a variety of countries, I said there was a lot of Asian countries and UK, South Africa, um, Russia, Hong Kong, etc. Getting to all see the little different nuances and different in the different people and how right. they how their research programs goes. You really got to learn a lot about how research and just I guess the schooling stuff is done. Yes, but bigger than that, we all had the same goal, which was really nice to see. You know, as soon as you mentioned climate change, everyone's on the same page, right. ready to go, and it was nice to. Nice to, to see those kind of connections throughout yeah. the world. Yeah. No, that's perfect. And that's what these sorts of experiences are meant to be for. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you've got some lifelong friends there now. Yes. Some collaborators perhaps down perhaps. the track. So I guess in the end, I mean, you were you were there representing us, but why was your work a good fit for this competition? So I think on most important part of getting to do my work and some of the other students' work in this competition was kind of greater outreach. So the uh, mm-hmm. be able to have work that you can see going from the lab into potentially a commercialization and moving on and really being able to, to help society in some way. So I know for me, specifically looking at the environmental impacts, there were students with more with potential research for medical devices and really right. trying to show where science is going and how we can, can help help the world. In the future, if people are interested in going into the competition, really looking at your work from a different angle and seeing, here's my research in the lab, but what is the greater goal of this this work? Right. Um, And then going from there. So do you think that's changed the way you're you're looking at your project even now and looking at the larger scale? Because it's it's very easy, particularly in in the sciences, you can hone into one tiny little part. Yes. But you still need to understand, the, like you said, the bigger picture sure. and how is that little part going to affect the rest. So has it changed the, the way you look at your particular project right now? I think a little bit. I've always been, whenever I get too stuck in a certain way, I know my, my professor's good and we're, we're able to <laughs> kind of bring you out from the hole. But I know more than just broadening the way I think of it, it really gave me more motivation kind of coming back right. and getting to know, okay, people really think this is something that can that can help okay how am I I got to work harder and it, it kind of gives you that motivation to keep going when the many years of grad school can get can get sometimes <laughs> a little bit a little bit frustrating mm-hmm. but I think it gives you can we give you a different perspective an outside perspective and sometimes just a little bit of gratification that what you're doing is you're doing is novel good. and good yes yeah, yeah. I, I think yes. that's really important too because I found even with writing camps and things and three minute you mentioned the mm-hmm. three minute thesis that's enough to sort of inspire people again and go, you know, that's why I was doing it. Because sometimes mm. we forget. Yes. Why did you go into that in the first place? So having this opportunity to go to the UK to this yes. competition and listen to everyone else, like you said, can inspire you again, all, mm-hmm. all over again, and then get, right, now I can get stuck into it again. Yes. So, <laughs> so, is, not again, because I know you're still working on it. <laughs> yes. So, so you, you mentioned with your, um, with your research itself, how you're looking at these smart filters and things. What kind of, you say you're trying to use materials that are not going to be toxic and and making more more bad for the the environment. So what kind of materials have you been looking at to try and and filter 
say the oil and the water. So the the main whenever I explain the the first application we go to right is the is the uh, oil spill and the crude oil. That's something right. big that people can really understand. But um, in terms of the the in between time, so in the lab we make you know, kind of research grade emulsions to test and, you know, kind of optimize, but uh, we're able to use, we set, can separate cooking oils or different vegetable oils from emulsions. Okay. So looking at potential applications in the food industry. So in the food industry, in the restaurant industry, the wastewater is full of, imagine the fryers where, you know, you have yeah. your french fries, your chicken fingers Horrible. and whatever. It's full of gunk and oil that gets in, in, stuck in, again, this emulsified phase. So looked at, okay, how can we help um, so that the treatment later for the wastewater is easier? Okay. We've done looked at that. I've done a little bit of um, work with some collaborators in industry on actually crude oil or fuel oil emulsions that have uh, different bacteria in them that we're trying to separate and the bacteria can eat up certain components and then now they need to be separated. So we've te- looked at testing those a little bit. One of the newer application we're kind of looking at is in the automotive industry was something I was never familiar with at all before trying to do some of this reading is they actually use a metal working or metal cutting fluid that is oil based um, that spray on and mixed with water when you're cutting big car parts etc and that again gets left over in these emulsions and if you can filter it and be able to reuse it can then decrease the amount of waste and decrease costs for for companies and really increase i know the big goal i kind of say of my project now or just my thinking is in this it's kind of a hot term in, in industry is the circular process, circular economy. Yes. How do we reuse everything and make no waste? Because so we are a pretty wasteful society, yes. as we know. And and I think the, the second part of that is to make no waste, but also do it in a clean way, in a green, clean and green. Clean and green, Clean, yes. and, clean and green. <laughs> I'm sure someone's... Um, copyrighted yeah. that somewhere but I'm going to use it anyway so. <laughs> so you were talking about the different applications right. to it so I when I think about a filter I think like a sieve or something right. or a little bit of gauze that can let certain stuff through but traps the rest is it it's as simple as that yes so basically um if in in lab the the one that we do for most of our testing is we'll use cotton that we buy from fabric land okay. I, I never knew there were so many types of cotton until going to fabric land <laughs> and finding white cotton anyway so on these pieces of fabric we're able to coat these different polymers with different properties so, so polymers are like plastic type yes things. in our case they're more it's more looking at the the macromolecule that has the different components that you're able to kind of target okay. so um they are plastics but in our case we're not looking at much uh, as much at that uh that uh version but basically for a macromolecule that we can have different components that you can tune to do what we want so um we call our filters janus which is after the roman god oh. <laughs> it's a, a term in, in in our field and basically it's the roman god of janus had two faces so we looked forward into the into the future and back right. into the past so right. our filters are asymmetric. So on one side, we have a hydrophilic or a water-liking polymer that's able to um, destabilize the emulsions. And on the other side, we have a hydrophobic or a water-rejecting polymer. Okay. So when your emulsions come through, they hit the hydrophilic or that water-liking side. It's able to destabilize the emulsion through some you know, electrostatic interactions or so weakening the effect of the surfactant. And then the oil can pass through. They're able to pull through the pores of the fabric. Okay. And then you reach the water rejecting side where it leaves all the water behind and you pull out just the oil. Okay. So it's kind of a step-by-step all made in this one, you know, Mm -hmm. couple millimeter thick filter. Yeah, so it is, is, it's basically just a sieve. The cell that we use to separate it is you have, you know, your emulsion on one side, your filter in the center, and then you stir it and then it passes through. through. Yeah, it's just that kind of force of the gravity and then the force of the actual, uh, the difference between the two tides can pull right. through the oil. Ooh. 
that must be fun watching it. Yes, watching it separate. Yeah, it's it's quite uh, it's it's satisfying. And but on my computer, I probably have a hundred plus videos of you know oil and water separating. So it's not I did too I did I did go onto your site and have a look, and it was actually quite fascinating. <laughs> it's nice when you can see you know the color change. I know I know a lot of chemists do. They work a lot in them. Um, um, sometimes finally getting stuff. a color is exciting mm-hmm. if you get to work with white compounds your whole career and then you get to do something with color it's exciting mm-hmm. or to actually see a difference visually and not uh, you know at the more <laughs> at the atomic scale so so what are the next steps then in this project because you clearly found something already at a minute scale to work can that be um, expanded into bigger applications or is it more to it than that so right now, um, in the lab side, I'm really focusing on optimizing further. Again, there's always different little tweaks you can mm-hmm. do to, as I said, decrease cost or increase the separation rate. But one of my goals, and it's always been kind of since earlier in my career, is the entrepreneurship and commercialization journey I'm fascinated right. with. Right. So my my dream is to be able to commercialize and kind of get the scale up of this technology, be it in my own company or with, with aid of, of something else. And Queens is absolutely wonderful right now with all of the resources mm-hmm. going into innovation. So like the Dun & Dishbandig um, Innovation yes. Center, I get to be a part of and I've um, worked a lot with them. And there's a the Office of Partnership and Innovation. Right. I'm there all the time. I'm in a pre-commercialization course they're holding right now, really trying Fantastic. to teach us skills. So mm-hmm. all of the Innovation Center and a lot of the Expanding Horizons workshops really are available to teach. I know I had a um, lecture last week on sales or, you know, product product marketing and getting yes. to learn these type of things to see when I'm when I'm finishing up the PhD if we can uh, grow it sure. and then try and uh, learn something from it. I know from this lecture competition it was able to teach me and and kind of uh, reiterate to myself that I love sharing my work so I'm excited to be able to do potential pitches and that that gets me really excited and uh, that's awesome. Yeah, so we'll we'll see where see where it goes from now but still got a couple more months to a year or so of really narrowing down yeah, and getting the science down. right and and then, uh, so we would be seeing you at the three-minute thesis this year or next? I hope so, yes. Excellent, yes. excellent. So I'm just putting a little plug in there because that's <laughs> yes. in March. Coming up soon. Yes, coming up soon. So so we've, we've talked a lot about your research and you going to this, having this fabulous opportunity, <laughs> and I'm sure everyone's very jealous of that. But, I mean, you, you're clearly keeping yourself very, very busy because I'm sure you're going to get more speaking engagements <laughs> and things. <laughs> But you also, like most of our grad students, do a lot of other things on the side, which is fantastic. And so you're the president of the Graduate Chemistry Society here. And what does that actually entail? Is that for both grad and undergrad? So in the the chemistry department, there are two separate kind of student councils. So the undergraduate student council and Mm -hmm. the graduate student council. And they're as most departments kind of have are the ones that advocate for the students at right. variety of different um, university-wide, faculty-wide, but also host all the fun stuff, the social events. So when I was in my fourth year a couple of years back, I was the undergraduate president and loved it. So then I, Excellent. throughout grad school, I said, you know, I want to try and do the grad school side because once you're a grad student, you actually get to 
see more of the inner workings of the department and really right. learn about the world of academia. And, and I was excited to, you know, get to be on hiring committees and that kind of stuff. So as the president, other than we get to plan a lot of events, um, and one of the big goals I've had this year that our, our council has worked really hard at is um, bringing more industry connection to the chemistry department. Right, which makes total sense. So mm-hmm. we, we've hosted some panels. We've had anyone from entrepreneurs to patent agents to, you know, people in product That's development good. come in and talk and really show what's next kind of after grad school. And it's been a very, um, again, keeps keeps me busy, but I absolutely love it. And But I guess it's all still part of what you're trying to do, right? Because when you're bringing in lectures, you can be learning from, from those people, yes. but also get that networking going. Yes. So, yeah, you say a lot of people don't realise the networking opportunities when you get yourself involved in these yeah. sorts of things. And that's that's one of the hard things I know grad students, is, mm-hmm. they get a lot, you get stuck in the lab and or in, in your office or wherever, and it's sometimes nice just to kind of be able to get out and see yes. what's out there. And again, get that get that motivation and that sense of community that's that's sometimes hard to find. So I think these, uh, hopefully we've been trying to, uh, to bring this to the chemistry department. No, it's good. Uh, because I know um, there was a, a couple of years that I got asked to, at the end of a conference type thing, to yes. come and judge your, three, your internal 3MT, which was fantastic. Yes, I guess I'll put a plug there. I know we've been trying to host it again in the department, but some right. of the chemistry students haven't really wanted to join. So I'm going to try and push now push on the air in. and, you know, yes. and next week name departments say Next you week do I've it. got a workshop as well. On the 26th, yes. I've got a workshop. Another workshop. So yes, let's pass do it, it around the department. Pass it, pass it around. Excellent. Uh, uh, that's awesome. Now you're also oh you actually also help out as a mentor for the Faculty of Arts and Science. And just to let everyone know, this is really really important to have our grad students be mentors for undergrads and ambassadors for undergrads to get them an idea of what is grad studies yes. and sort of help them decide whether the grad studies is for them. So how have you found that? It's been. As, as someone who's been at Queen's for a while and really worked worked my way kind of mm-hmm. through the different programs, it has been so much fun and rewarding to now get to give back. Right. So a lot of right. times, more last year, um, I was able to be on a lot of panels. Unfortunately, this year, most of the, the, the panels were actually while I was in the UK. That was the uh, week that a bunch oh, of them were held, the <laughs> of course, when I was away. But last year, I did a bunch, and I know um, still be involved in some of the reading weeks. Actually, today, which is February 18th, there is um, the incoming graduate students or potential incoming graduates are coming to the chemistry department. Fantastic. So after this, I'm going to go give them a little Q&A and uh, take them a tour around the uh, department. And, um, that normally happens on Mondays. <laughs> and uh, around campus. That's great. It's a little snowy, but we'll see how that goes. But more at the at the arts and science level, it's you get to again, meet more um, more students. I know I've made some friends in the physics department, um, et cetera, that I wouldn't have done any other way. Mm -hmm. But mostly it's just getting to give back, which feels nice when you have a lot of experience here. (laughs) And I think, yeah, I think the nice thing for you is that because you did do your undergrad here at Queen's, you have an idea of what it's like being an undergrad at Queen's Mm -hmm. and knowing that it's a little bit different once you sort of step over into grad study. So what you thought you understood is very different. So it's good that you you, you know both sides of it. So... You're a good, good person to be a mentor. <laughs> and lastly, you're also at the on the Chemical Institute of Canada's student chair. So in uh, in um, Kingston, at least, in the there's the Chemical Institute of Canada, which kind of is our you know over governing body, and and the they have something they have these local sections. Right. So um, each 
kind of area in Canada. There's a Toronto and Montreal. And recently, one of the professors in our department revamped up the Kingston chapter. So myself and uh, another um, co-student in my lab, Tina. So we've been kind of working together as some of the student representatives um, trying to host events more in the community. Right. Yes. So bringing, this is kind of similar to what we're doing in our student campus, bringing industry and mm-hmm. students together, but now bringing all the students in the community. We have RMC, we've got, you know, right. St. Lawrence, we've got um, Trent. We've got a lot of different universities kind of close, but that do have chemical, chemistry and chemical sciences. And how can we bring those together? So there right. was an event host in the past where we had a, uh, a lecture kind of on a professor's story from RMC, kind of how, where she got to where she is and networking. And, and through that, we've just been trying to make more connections. And then we're hoping to host another similar event right. um, in the spring. So it's kind of showing how to bring, getting things in a larger scale. Larger scale. You should think about also, because TEDx um, have their, what they call TEDx Adventures. Oh, and, okay. And um, I know we're trying to work with the, the Queen's chapter of TEDx Queen's U uh, to tr- put on a TEDx Adventure, which, and that what that is, is allowing people, the community, Queen's and the Kingston community, to come and see certain labs or telescopes or some, or art exhibitions and things and I know some some of the labs might be a bit difficult going because of (laughs) uh, security Security. and all those other and you know safety stuff but that's the purpose of that sort of thing to sort of bring people to see it actually hands-on that same thing and just planting the seed again and just Mm -hmm. showing people that science isn't scary it's not no this terrifying thing anyone can can be involved and just need to be inquisitive yeah and curious and ask questions and ask questions from there Okay, so, you know, oh, and I know I said that was the last one, but I'm going to ask you one more thing. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm like that. You're doing, you're part of the Connect cohort of 2019-2020 through the Dun & Deshpan Queen's Innovation Centre. Yes. What is that? Um, so I want, this is a group, basically, that uh, a friend, um, friend of mine has kind of started. And basically, this has been a program run for a couple of years. But this year's group, um, it is a cohort of women, females in undergrad or grad students that are interested in entrepreneurship. Okay. So we, there are events that are held bi-weekly or so um, of every different possibility that you can think of in the world of entrepreneurship. We've had personal branding, we've had sales, we've had public speaking, all kinds of different things um, and skills that you need to kind of go in that career. And more than that, it's it's bringing kind of like-minded women in, right. in this kind of field together, together and give you uh, some connections to people that are going through similar things that you want at the time. And uh, um, I know right now Queen's recently had a massive uh, federal grant given for uh, We Can is the program, so Women Entrepreneurs Can. Right, yes. And a lot of resources that I've been very lucky to get to be a part of. And, Fantastic. And get to learn um, learn in some of these programs. So Connect is one of the programs. That's one that of those. Okay, we'll there. have to keep an eye out for that too. And yes, see I know when things are on. There's different ones, and usually each year they'll you have kind of do an application at the beginning, and you get to be a part of part of the program for a year. So definitely keep your eyes out. It has been such a learning a lot, but also gaining a new a new circle that good. is different than I've get to have. And most of them aren't in sciences too. So you get to meet people from different departments. And, That's good. And, oh. uh, so you're having, having all sorts of opportunities, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, so sometimes been a, you have to just get out there a little yeah. bit. Twenty nineteen's been a great year. I'm really, really blessed that, that that's good. Uh, it happen, yeah. And you haven't got long to go. So Morgan, we're going to have to call it quits. Right. So it's been great <laughs> chatting to you. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm still very jealous that you had an opportunity <laughs> to 
not only go and meet new people but also represent Queens and, and your country. I, I couldn't think of anything better than being able to represent my mm -hmm. country. So what a great honour for you. I hope you felt the same way. Absolutely, yes. But uh, thank you very much for coming on and best of luck with the rest of your work. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So that's it, everyone. Another week of Grad Chat suddenly comes to an end. Don't forget you can download this show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Stitcher. Just type in a Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with AB. Hooray! Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Hey.